Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling, the freedom, how the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is driving never changed. You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere. And then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Do you love winter, despite the cold, the rain and the short days? Well, over the next 40 minutes or so, we're going to help you find the beauty in the season and in your garden at this time of year. I'm Catherine Mansley, digital editor at Gardener's World magazine, and I'm here with esteemed garden designer and writer James Alexander Sinclair. In his monthly column for our magazine, We Love, James has been extolling the virtues of each season and its plants for 15 years now, finding amusing and evocative ways to describe the highlights of the month. So if there's anyone who can help us to learn to love winter, it's James. So, James, people often talk about the worst things about winter, but... What do you think are some of the best things about winter? I think I've been sold a pup here to a certain extent. It's, yeah, okay, James, come and talk about winter. So why do I have to do winter? Why can't I do summer and spring or something optimistic like that? No, 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 it's fine. Somebody's got to do winter. Who should we try? Oh, let's get James. He'll come in and do that. Okay, fine. I know where I stand now. So, right, winter. Um, <laughs> you know, winter is inevitable, I think. In order to have spring or summer or, you know, the dawn chorus and and butterflies and bees twiddling around the place doing their things. We have to have winter. Yes, we could all go off to, to some hot place. But I don't think that would be very nice. I think it's quite nice to have this sort of stretch of, of cold where everything everything calms down a bit. And I know this may sound, sound counterintuitive, but one of the best things about winter is not having to garden. <laughs> 
<laughs> actually, there is it's no guilt. There is yeah. no guilt at all. And it's absolutely fine to sit on the sofa and watch seven episodes of Game of Thrones if you really want to, or whatever it is, rather than actually having to go out there and do it. Because there is nothing you can do. And there are times, there are, are we, I, I'm basically a weekend gardener. Many you know, during are. the week, I'm gardening, but I'm gardening for other people. And at home, I'm, which is obviously the most important, it's, it's the weekend. So, so. You know, you wake up on a Saturday and it's pouring with rain or it's miserable. And actually, if I go out there and stand all over flower beds, I get to do more harm than good. So result, back to bed. <laughs> Basically, no. I mean, there are there are obviously you know there's there's greys. Not every day in winter is horrible. Not every day in winter is cold. Not every day in winter is wet and miserable. Some days in winter are are just even better than the best days in summer. I mean, we had a few days last winter where the frost is just extraordinary and perfect, and we don't often get days like that. And the sky is this sort of you know mineral water clarity, and it's blue, and you walk out, and and the cold is 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 sort of it's almost embracing you and you know you've got enough clothes on it's fine you have a woolly hat and and you're warm in there and you can feel the cold about you you can see your, your breath coming out and you can just walk and you can hear the the crunch of your footsteps across across frozen grass and just watching the ice and the light coming through it and all of those sort of things that's that's almost a better experience than than waking up on midsummer day and going out barefoot it's i mean it's 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 not really comparable it's a different thing but it can be as emotional it can be as, as sensual as going out, out in the summers but those days are few and far between <laughs> are there any winter gardening activities that you do relish Yes, no, there are. Okay, what are the main winter gardening activities? Basically, cutting things back. Yep, There's, you know, things things need need to do it. There used to be when I first started gardening, which was a terrifyingly long time ago, probably probably when you were a baby in nappies. <laughs> there was something called the autumn cleanup. Yes, which is basically go and cut everything down yep. immediately. Cut it all down. We look at this at this brownness. And then um, lock so, the garden and walk away. Correct, exactly. Uh, and and you cut everything. You look at this brownness for the rest for the rest of the uh, of the winter, and that's it. And we don't do that anymore. No, it's uh, changed. And we we allow things to to sort of to senesce and to to die elegantly. And some of them do die elegantly, and some of them don't. And so there's this process of cutting things back, which is quite cathartic and quite cleansing. But we do it gently and we do it slowly. And, and, and the general rule is basically you look at it and if it looks, if it looks horrible, cut it down. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then it's fine. So there are certain things that die badly. Daylilies, for example. Oh, yeah. Horrible, mushy, Mush. yuck. You, there, there's no advantage then. There are others. There are other things that die like a poet in a garret. So they they die with with a certain um, long suffering elegance. Flomis. Um, Flomis do that. Opium poppies, Papaver mm. somniferum, do that. There's this you know these skeletons of, of of those sort of things. Most of the grasses do that. There's an awful lot of stuff there. That rose hips, everything like this. They all die with elegance. And so if it's doing that, then allow it to do that in in its own time. So this cutback goes on for really quite a long time. I have one particular garden, which is which is a lot of perennials in, in sort of quite large beds in gravel. We cut things back and cut things back. And then in about February time, it's, it's you're sort of bored of beige by that stage of life. You think, OK, enough, enough of this. Um, and so it then gets strimmed. Go in there with a the strimmer, strim the whole thing down and then rake that off. And then you have nothing. And it's and it's 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 quite a nice moment when there's there's nothing there. But we don't we don't want it to start in October as it used to be. No. This is like February time when you're doing that, because because we know what happens in February as well. 
is is that February is the time when when everything begins to sort of move over, and it's not just about about the dying; it's about the rebirth, and and the snowdrops start, and the you know the Aristotelata start, and you have to clear space for them to be actually seen and and be visible. So there is this sort of sort of movement. So so winter is not a is not a static time. Every day is different. I, I think probably the worst time is the time between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> Really, it's this general horribleness where nothing is happening in between the chaos of Christmas and the disappointment of New Year. Basically, is what it is, and so there's there's, there's this area in between, which I heard described as the merineum actually. Today. Oh. So, it's, it's, so um, you should be feeling merry, but yeah, instead you're just feeling overfull of cold street. Yeah, it's just a, oh god, really. That's a pretty pretty bad moment. You need to find find something to do at that point. But after that, you see your first snowdrop, you think yes. And people get very excited and think, oh, gosh, it's spring. And, and, it, and I wanted to say, it's not spring. <laughs> spring is still a long way spring off. Spring is a long way. Just because there's, you know, one snowdrop does not a summer make. You know, all of that kind of thing. But people get very overexcited by it. And, and, and there's, there's sort of, oh, yeah, spring, early spring, pre-spring. No, no such thing as pre-spring. It's not that. Um, it is it is still winter. So so it's winter and it's there. So so the question you asked me quite a long time ago is is what good things are there about garden jobs in the winter, which is yes, cutting back is one thing. Because cutting back also contributes to one of the best things about gardening, which is making compost. And my compost heaps, I'm very proud of my compost oh. heaps. As I think everybody is proud of their compost heaps if it's all working and doing what it's supposed to do. Do you have handsome compost heaps, Catherine? I, I have ha- compost heaps. They're not handsome, though. I, mine are a bit neglected, and then I suspect yours are, are handsome and turned and well-maintained. Yeah, yeah. No, they're quite um, OCD, my, my, my compost heaps, which is, which is not like me at all. But, but the compost heaps, I'm, I have three. That we made that is, you know, meter cubes and all yep. this, and one gets turned into the next one, and then that one's the other one's, you know, all of this kind the of perfect thing. system. When it works, it is really quite something. And so, obviously, what you need to do is, is you need to feed your compost heap. So, what are you going to feed your compost heap? You're going to feed it with stuff that you've actually cut down from, from the garden. I bought a shredder the other oh. day. I have an electric shredder of, of, of great loveliness, or it was a great loveliness, but, but <laughs> I bought it. I was shredding all the stems. I mean, it was in this gone winter, so all the last bits, the woody bits, were going going into it. And then I, I just got a little bit overexcited, and I put a thing in it that was, was like too big. too big, and it's still stuck in it. <laughs> I tried to work out how to get it out. <laughs> I think if I wait long enough, it'll rot and fall out, but I don't think that's quite going to work. It's a bit of bay tree that's got stuck in it, so I'm going to have to unbolt it or get somebody somebody to do that in order to rescue my shredder. So, so yes, you're cutting stuff down, and that means that you're making compost. Making compost is a very good winter winter job because it's it's warming, uh, it's exercising, uh, and all of those sort of things. And one of the things about gardening in the winter is that you have to be constantly looking for something to reward yourself. You have to look at, you know, say, say oh, yeah, I've turned the compost heap. I'm definitely entitled to a cup of tea and a piece of cake now. Definitely. Absolutely definitely. Or a, or a small square of fudge or some, something something like that. Or, or, or that slightly sticky wine gum that I've just found in my jacket pocket that was probably there last year. Um, so I can have that. Now I've, now I've actually I've turned a compost heap or I've filled up this or I've moved that or I've done this kind of thing. So, so there's quite a lot of stuff that one can do in the winter that you obviously can't, can't do in, in the summer. One of the most important things about gardening generally is that gardening is not all about work. Gardening is also about actually appreciating what you've done and, and looking and sitting and watching and and enjoying and all of these all of these sort of things. You know, we we get carried away by you know 
Monty saying things to do this weekend. It, it's not an order; it's an option, which is, which is sort of an important thing to to remember. Um, uh, so, so in the winter time as well, it's important to find time to to stop and to sort of look. And although it's not as comfortable as sitting on a deck chair, it's still worth just sort of pausing and looking at things because because winter is not is not a time of of barrenness. There are still things. There are things. Some of the most delicious things flower in winter. Some of the best smells you get in winter. There's always something there, even if even if there's nothing, even if it's the skeleton of a plant with a robin in it, or it's a skeleton of a plant without a robin in it, or it's a, a leafless tree, or it's all of the all of these kind of things. There's always something there to have and to enjoy. What are some of the the loveliest plants? That you enjoy in winter. I have a hammermelis called Reuben, oh, which hazel. is a sort of red witch hazel, Ooh. which is you know heavenly. And up until this year, we couldn't see it from the kitchen because when I moved into my garden, which the garden I'm in at the moment, which was oh gosh seven years ago now, I suppose there was nothing in it but laurels. Uh, it was real sort of you know nothing nothing to do except just look at the laurels and it doesn't And I took out most of them on day one, basically, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Um, but there was one that I left. And, and eventually I thought, why did I leave that one? And I left it because it sort of opens up a view to a next-door neighbour and, you know, various things. Like that. And I thought, okay, so, so this is it. I'm going to take that one out. Take it out. Now, from the kitchen, I can see the hammer malice. I knew it was going to happen, Absolutely. of course. It was not an accident. In any and that's before. perfect. That's textbook garden design, isn't it? Have your winter interest visible from indoors Correct. the house. What's the point of having it over there? It's, it's like planting, you know, the, the very heavily scented winter flowering honeysuckles and the sarcococcus, the Christmas box and all those sort of things. And, and, and you walk around someone's garden and it's over. It's right at the back. It's over there. You say, why on earth have you planted something there? Plant it by the path. Plant it so that every time you go to the garage, every time you go to the post box, every time you leave the house, which you don't want to do very much because it's winter, you pass something that gives you that sort of connection to what's to what's to the fact that nature is not all asleep. Some of it is some of it is, is, is awake through that. So 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 plant it, plant it close by. So so yes, the, the witch hazel, the Christmas box, the chimonanthus, the winter sweet, you know, and all of these things that have these really, really intense scents at that time of year. And and it becomes almost more intense because of the gin clear quality of the air and, and the fact that it just moves in the cold much better than it, than it does in, in the warm. So, so, so there are lots of plants going on there. Some of them are, you know, obvious, big show-stoppy things that have a, have a scent and have a flower and other things are just there because, because they're quiet and they're quite nice and they're just pootling along. And a lot of it is, is a lot of the evergreen that you've had as the background to your summer stuff is now says, right, okay, all this fly-by-night summer stuff, that's gone on holiday. That's disappeared. That's that's now disappeared back into the ground. Therefore, it is of no interest to us whatsoever. It is now our turn to shine in a quiet and, and distinguished way. So, so, so you're the evergreen viburnums and, and, and the yews and the, um, you know, all of that sort of, sort of stuff and the, and, and the box and the evergreen grasses and everything like that is now there. And you can see it, and that's and that's holding the interest, and it's holding the skeleton of the garden. One of the things that, however, okay, there's always a however to all of these things. One of the things about people, people, do you know, it, it's not just it's year round interest. People yes. want year round. It's quite tricky to do year round interest, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you do year round interest, then it has to be at the expense of something else. Yeah. So, so when do you want, Catherine, when do you want your garden to look its nicest? When you're going to be in it the most. When you're going to be in it. How often are you going to be in your garden in February? You know, twice running to the bins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
very good at giving the right answer. Um, uh, yeah, so, so, so you want it to be looking good from, what should we say? You're an outdoorsy kind of person. You want it to be looking good from ooh, late March, early April till about november Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you're going to be planting plants and doing stuff in it as well. So then, yeah, yeah. winter just gets totally forgotten. So don't plan your garden just so there's a lot of evergreen in the winter because it will look boring in the summer. So so you have a little bit, so you have a skeleton, you have a, 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 an outline, but only if it actually is going to do something later on. It's like there's, there's a rather lovely viburnum, which is called cinnamomifolium, which is an evergreen. So, so it's got a good leaf to it. In the springtime, it's, it, it's, it's got a white flower to it. So it's, it's got these two things going on. So evergreen is fine, provided it's going to perform on another occasion. Uh, because, because one of the things that we have to remember is, is that not all of us have enormous gardens. You know? <laughs> and and, and we, live it, we live in a part of the world where you can grow an enormous number of plants. And we can't fit them all in. No. No matter how many you buy, you can't fit them all in. And so everyone that you have has to work. So yes, evergreen, it needs to do something else. It can't just be evergreen. It has to have some shape or some architecture or some flower or all those sort of things. But the wintertime, it's when the evergreens begin to sort of shine and, and, and say, right, this is, this is our moment. And we're here and we're, we're, we're here to show you that not everything is beige and not everything is, is dying and not everything is leafless, uh, but just don't have too much of it. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. In this ad for the Mobile One brand, I have 30 seconds to remind you about your first time driving. Remember the feeling, the freedom, how the world felt bigger and smaller at the same time? Because you were in the driver's seat. The truth is driving never changed. You did. You got a job, a phone, and then a phone that was also a computer with emails that could find you anywhere. And then you were trapped. But here's the good news. It's never too late to break free. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash radio to learn more. No, I think evergreens have a, a kind of real reputation for just being really dull and dreary and heavy and you know, shrubbery. Yeah, which, is, which is very unfair. Do you think they need a rebrand? Because not we... all... No, I, I, I mean, they're, 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 they've always been there. The whole idea of, of the rebrand, it's like somebody was... It was on, on the, the television on, on uh, Chelsea Flower Show. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the relaunch of the shrub. He said, what do you mean the relaunch of the shrub? <laughs> they've, they've been there longer than, any, than anything else. He said, oh, no, but nobody's interested. Of course they're interested in shrubs. You can't really have a garden without them. No. I mean, otherwise you're, you're having a garden. Okay, so, so, so James's theory of planting. Do you like James's mm-hmm. theory of planting? Probably I definitely to want to hear. Winter. No, I definitely James want to hear James's theory of planting. James's theory of planting is basically if you're planting anything, a garden, a border, or, or whatever it is, um, there are two things. Okay, there is architecture. So that's that's your hedges, that's your trees, that's your shrubs. It's all of it's all of the stuff that that creates this sort of skeleton, this framework upon which your garden is garden is built. And then there is fluff. And fluff is everything else. And that's all there is, is just those two things. So so you have your architecture, and this is where in the wintertime your architecture shows up and you see where your hedge lines are. And it doesn't necessarily have to be evergreen, but it has to have some sort of firmness to it. And then the rest of it, the the the, the bulbs, the perennials, the annuals, the grasses, the roses, all of it, all of it's fluff. And and where would we be without fluff, fluff, Catherine? Where would we be? I know. But so how do you in winter, if all you've got is architecture, how do you make that not boring? You've got no fluff. 
Well, A, A you draw the curtains to stay inside. <laughs> For quite a lot. I mean, it's very short days. Yes. Bear that in mind. Yeah, you, know? you don't have to look at it for There's, so long. You don't have to look at it, for, look at it for, for, for so long. And there are days. There are days when you think, actually, hang it. I just can't. like I said, you can't. You can't really be doing it. But there are days when, when you can. So, 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 what are the things to make you want to get out of your house in the winter? This is the question, really, isn't it? And a lot of it is is just the fact that you're outside. And we all know that being outside is is one of the nicest things in the world and, and that you can only sit on a sofa for so many hours a day. And although there's something comforting about getting dark at four o'clock and drawing the curtains and thinking, Oh gosh, now I can just I can just hang around. I don't have to I don't have to be to feel obliged to 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 go out and garden. The idea of just being outside is actually really important just for us as as human beings, for us as gardeners particularly, because this is what we're we're sort of used to. So quite a lot of the excitement and the fluff and the res is is not necessarily in your garden. It's go out, go out into the wider countryside, see what's going on out there. Go and visit gardens in winter is actually rather a lovely thing to do. Just go and walk in the countryside to go and see what's happening and, and watch the birds fly around the place and watch the pigeons eat the last of the whores off the hedges and f- and forage for the, for the last remaining crab apples and all of those kind of things are, are worth doing. In your garden, you'll find that an awful lot of the good things that are happening are quite small. We spoke about it first. The, the first bulbs is a, that's a very exciting moment. Is the, you know, the first snowdrops keep coming through, but a snowdrop is not. Is a, stro- a snowdrop, because, because it's... it's there's not very much going on. A snowdrop is really exciting when it is a green tip, one millimeter high. Okay, so you don't have to wait for the whole for the whole flowery, droopy, you know, galanthophily kind of thing going on. You just it's just that you think. Look, there's something growing. The anticipation. <laughs> it's the anticipation of it. And it's, oh gosh, it's January with the first snow, snowdrops are showing. And the, when you say they're showing, it is literally it's one millimetre, maybe two millimetres of green stuff that's coming on. And then you get a coating of snow and it disappears again or something Something happens. So, so, so there, is, there is that. There's the beginning of bulbs. You look very closely at stuff. There are a number of ways of looking at gardens in that you can you can stand at, at your kitchen window with a cup of tea and, and, and buy a radiator and look at the whole garden. Or else you can go out and look at a border or else you can look at a, at a combination. You look at one plant, you look at one part of one plant. One of the other signs of spring that you look very carefully for is just the swelling of a rosebud. So it's just, you know, it's just the suddenly the shoots are there. And, and, you know, not that long ago, it was just a stick. And now it's just getting very slightly bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's this little, little red thing. It's a little bit like a pimple. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's not the most romantic way of looking at it. But it's just beginning. And you think, there's spring. There's spring. It's just sitting on the side of that plant, just waiting to be released. And it's like the, the baby bulb. So you're looking at, at little tiny uh, little tiny things. It doesn't even have to be something that's green. It's, it's, it's maybe just, just the way that, way that the leaves which you've sort of left or you put in a leaf mill pile, just begin to decay and they turn back to this sort of tracery and they've been d- dug over and turned over by the blackbirds or the robins looking for worms underneath it. It's all of these little tiny weeny things in the way, like I said right at the beginning, when those days when the frost comes and you see the way that, that the tracery of ice has just taken up taken up this thing or it's, it's got onto a, onto a cobweb. You know, all of these, these little tiny things. So, so in the winter, it's not about big expansive, extravagant gestures. It's about little little small things and taking your comfort where you can find it. Uh, but most of all, it's, it's, it's just about being there. It's about being in your garden. It's a little bit like like being in your garden. It's, I mean, it's mildly embarrassing. Be, being with your garden when it's got no clothes on. <laughs> uh, you know, standing there saying, I am naked yet glorious. Because then the spring comes and the summer comes and, and all that disappears. But 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 one should exult in the in the, the naked in the naked um, outlines of one's garden.
And you mentioned going to visit other gardens. Are there uh, any any gardens that you have that are particular favourites to visit in winter? Yes, actually. Interestingly, there's a National Trust garden called Anglesey Abbey. Have you been there? I've never been, but I... It's a sort of classic, I, classic, classic, classic garden. And, and I've been there once. Um, I went there because one of the things that I've done is I've made a, a lot of very silly films with two friends of mine called Joe Swift and Cleve West who are both garden designers. Yes. And Joe Swift, you will know, he's the sort of bald ginger one from Gardener's World. And we decided we were going to make a film about the Winter Garden. So we went to Anglesey Abbey. And I'd never been there before. It's in Cambridgeshire. And it's just an extraordinary garden. And we got it when it was snowing. Oh, wow. And there was, this, there was snow, snow on the ground. And it was one of those days when the sky was blue and the snow, snow was there. And we, we made this very silly film where, where we pretended that Joe was making a film. And Cleve and I were basically inquisitive tourists who kept interrupting his filming. And you walk through this garden and it's all the things, all the things that, that are in the winter, on the winter garden hit list, which is basically stems. Yeah. So, so the dogwoods in orange and, and red and uh, and green and all of those sort of things and all the winter flowering shrubs like the hammermanis like we spoke about, about earlier and the sarcococcus and all of all of these things and the willows, um, the pretenses and, and they're all coloured stems and look amazing against the blue and, and then you walk th- along this bit and you can suddenly come around the corner and there's this unexpected surprise because one of the, the the most exciting things about a garden is an unexpected surprise even if you've seen it before it's still an unexpected surprise you come around the corner and there's this this it's almost like a sort of sacred glade of birch trees and and somebody has has scrubbed these the trunks of these trees <laughs> definitely somebody rubbed yeah. them and polished them cleaned them down and cleaned them down and there's this this gleaming bone white Against the, the 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 blue sky again, and and the sort of slightly slightly darker background, and it is it's 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 almost as if you you're expecting a druidical human sacrifice in the middle of it. It's just sort of one of those sort of magical places. So that's that's a very very good garden. There are a number of good winter gardens you're looking for. I'll tell you exactly where the other one is. That's really the, again on the subject of stems and things. Is the RHS Garden at Hyde Hall, which uh. is in Essex, and what they have is that through the through these borders they have um, willows. And instead of cutting them back, what they do is they tie them together and they turn them into these rather extraordinary shapes. So all of these, they're basically woven. The the coloured branches are woven together in these sort of slightly spectral, slightly weird, slightly spooky, sort of uh, slightly ghostly shapes that are are there. So there's these sort of red swirls, like a sort of trumpet that goes up into the air, another one that comes down like a dragon emerging from a a burrow. All of these sort of things. And so they do really, really clever. There's a good winter garden there. and they've got these willows that actually actually wriggle their way. In fact, all of the RHS gardens have got really good mm. winter gardens. Wisley's yeah. got a fantastic. All the the, the coloured stems and the rubus is it Tavetianus or Cockburnianus? One of those ones, Cockburnianus, which which um, is these white ghostly uh, bramble stems. Yeah, really spiky. Exactly against the, the dogwoods and the willows as well. There's there's a wonderful one. Then there's a lovely one, a Harlow Car up by, up by Harrogate, Harrogate as well. Um, so 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 uh, those are those are good winter gardens. People when they think about plants for winter interest, they People can get a, a bit fed up with the, the same plants get trotted out by us, us gardening writers. Oh, you know, that again. Is it that it's gardening writers just coming out with the same boring plants or are our expectations of winter plants wrong? I, think, I, I don't think we can blame gardening writers entirely <laughs> for this. Gardening writers, gardening writers are, are not the creators. <laughs> we, don't, we don't make plants. We don't invent them. You know, the fact that it is winter... If winter was as extravagant as summer, then then it wouldn't. Summer would not be so exciting. 
basically. So, so winter is a different feeling to it. And yes, it, we are limited with the amount of things that, that, that we can um, write about. I think I've probably written about Sarkococcus in, in We Love <laughs> at least 10 times. You know, it's, it's this whole thing is, okay, January... What the hell do I love about January? And and do I love? I, I can't love that because I loved that last year. And, and the one like <laughs> I'm that, I'm going I, to love that I, in February. <laughs> I love the year before. It's it's like remembering which girlfriend is in which place. All, all all of that kind of thing. There is a more limited palette palette of, of of plants, but but the fact that they're limited does not make them any lesser. Yes, they are familiars, and yes, they are things. But but the other thing about it is is that to you and I, they're familiar. Mm. To people who've just got their first garden, or to people who have just moved house and are looking for something, it's not. It's something. It's something extraordinary. It's something that they feel that they've discovered. Everybody, you know, there's there's no such thing as a new thing under the sun, really, is there? But it's it's new to somebody somewhere. So the fact that we're talking about uh, and describing you know, something that is as delicious and as fabulous and as wonderful as, as a sarcococco. To you, you say, yeah, 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 James, okay, we've done that one already. Can we think of something else? We know we can't. We only have this this limited number. We can't invent. If somebody comes up with a, a new plant, whoop-de-doo, we will, we will lord it, we will praise it, we will be terribly nice, nice to it, and we will be greatly relieved that there's something else to write about. <laughs> but we can't force it. Um, and, and the whole essence of, okay, why, why, Catherine, why are uh, the flowers on winter on winter plants smaller than they are on summer plants? Is it so they don't get blown away? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Why would you want to have a big blousy thing that's then just going to get rained on, get sleeted on, get snowed upon, get winded? You want something that's sort of small and and can can sort of survive this this sort of thing. It's 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 like a sort of, you know, it's like an arctic fox. It's sort of small and it can hide behind a hide, hide behind a rock rather than something that's enormous and giraffe size. So they are small. They are intense uh, in order to, to 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 protect themselves. Otherwise, they just get run ragged by 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 everything. It's 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 like the. Um, Hazels are quite fun. It's a winter thing, and, and and you know you've got these very extravagant catkins hanging down the hazels, which is the male flowers, and they're waiting to be wind pollinated. So they're saying we, we we have a big flower because we want to be battered by the wind. We like that. This is this is how we basically this is how we work. Is the fact that um, the wind blows and our pollen gets spread spread around the place, and you, and obviously as as you know, the reason why they do that in the winter is is because because they're wind pollinated. If they did it when the leaves came out, then they wouldn't get very far. Basically, and they just be Stuck in pollinating their closest their friends needs. and relations, um, which is not the point. They want to go further, go out there, go out and find somebody, somebody new and somebody, somebody exciting. But but the, the the female flowers, tiny, 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 tiny little things. You barely even notice them at all. There's all these sort of sort of dangly, dangly blokes running around <laughs> the place with their catkins. But the, the female flowers are just little weensy, weensy, weensy things that are just there to catch the pollen. But they're they're really, really delicate. It's just about Two or three little tiny reddish petals stuck stuck on the side of it. It's worth sort of looking looking at, it. and I and I like doing. It. If you're walking through a woodland with children in, in the winter, you say, "Look, you see that?" And you see this little tiny one there. And that's that's how it, it. It may lead to, to to embarrassing questions about the birds and the bees, but then you pass them to their parents and say, "Go and ask mummy about that one." <laughs> And how it gets, but yes, they're, they're small in order in order to protect, to protect themselves. And what's nice about it is, is there is a contrast, and this is the most important thing. About, and, and why we are so lucky to have seasons? Would it not be hideous to live in Los Angeles? Apologies to all Do listeners you, from Los Angeles. You think we'd get bored if, oh, if we just had God, hot, went, glorious sunshine? I went to Los Angeles for two weeks. I was bored. <laughs> 
I thought, God, this is a hideous place. It, it really is. It's horrible. Uh, again, apologies to listeners from Los Angeles. But, 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 uh, and one of the things is, is because it is predictable. And the fact that we live in a place where there are these four distinct seasons because, because we're sort of people, but also mostly because we're gardeners. And you know that this is going to lead into that. And we have to go through the winter in order to get to the spring. And we have to go through the spring in order to get to the summer. And then the summer will pass all too fast. And then we get into the early autumn, which is the best time of the year of all. Oh. And then we get into the late autumn and then we go back into the winter again. But it's, but it's, it's one thing to the other. It means that we're never bored. We always know that there is something else. And it, I mean, it also leads to us as gardeners tending to wish wish our lives away to a certain extent. And that, do you find yourself at sort of July looking at the border and thinking, oh, next year I could do this and that and that. We could move that around and cut that down. Oh, I wish it was next year. <laughs> but you can't make it any faster. So, no. so, so you just, you basically have to sort of, sort of go through it and enjoy the seasons. I can't remember what your question was now. <laughs> Nor can I. Is that the answer to winter then? It's to spend it planning Spring and summer. and uh, Yes, but not exclusively. You're looking forward, but you have to appreciate the day. You know, I know it sounds hideously, hideously sort of new age. Hideously like something that would come out of Los Angeles. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it is, it's, it's, it's the idea of living in the moment and, you know, all that kind of thing. And in, in that, yes, it's wet and it's miserable and horrible. It's not going to be wet and miserable and horrible forever. And actually, there's quite nice things about being wet and miserable and horrible. There are other things that that will sort of sort of show you. Know, it's like like I said at the beginning: if it's a miserable day, then it's an excuse to stay and stay in bed, which is a good thing, really. And maybe that's what you need to do at that moment. The tomorrow, the rain will have stopped, and it'll be windy, and you can go for a windy walk. Isn't that nice to go for a windy walk where where you know where you're actually you're leaning into the wind and it's blowing you blowing blowing you back again, and you can watch the trees wave around the place. One of the things. That, when I was a young landscaper many years ago, I used to, to do a certain amount of tree surgery. Or at least I wasn't a very good tree surgeon, but I liked to climb trees. <laughs> uh, I, what did you do wrong? <laughs> well, it was, it was, I just got too enthusiastic, and I liked climbing the tree more than I actually liked doing the <laughs> surgery, I think, probably. And, and I liked to stand at the tops of trees in, when the wind got strong. And it is, it's, it's, it's like being in the crow's nest of a, of, of a galleon on the Spanish main and you're being blown backwards and forwards the whole tree and you think this is a tree that is 50 feet high and I'm 50 feet in the air and I'm holding on to this and the whole thing, the wind is blowing the whole thing backwards and forwards and, and, and I'm just relying on the fact that this tree is not going to snap and plummet me to the ground. Um, I don't encourage all, all, of, all of your, your readers to climb trees, but you know if they feel like it, then it's actually rather a, a fabulous and a wonderful thing to do is to just feel, feel, feel the strength of the tree. And, and just blow backwards and forwards on it. Uh, and then the next day, uh, it's, so we had a rainy day, we've had a windy day. The next time we, we have a snowy day. And that's, you know, that's a good excuse to go and throw snowballs at your next door neighbor or whatever else you choose to do and be, and be quite childish about the whole thing. And then the next day is gray. Because most days, to be perfectly yeah. honest, are grey, aren't they? In winter, and yeah. it's grey, but but it's, we, we can still garden. It's relatively dry on, on, underfoot, or the ground has got some hardness to it, which means that we can actually go out and 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 turn the compost heap, or rake something up, or cut something back, or look at what's going on, um, or clean the greenhouse. I know when garden writers are getting desperate <laughs> in the winter, and you see it, see it on social media as well, is that suddenly somebody is doing a, an entire film about cleaning their tools. <laughs> you know, ah, okay, we got to that stage. There's absolutely nothing growing. The weather's horrible. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a whole 10-minute thing about sharpening my secateurs and oiling my trowel. <laughs> 
very important <laughs> it job. It is really, very, I'm sure, absolutely really, really important. But I think I'd still go for a rock, go back to bed <laughs> or go and do something, go and read a book um, or something along those lines. But yes, these are the, th- the, the things. There's always something to get you out of the house and get, get you out of the hair of your of your significant other or whatever it is that needs to be done. Um, go in the garden, clean your tools, tidy the greenhouse. I mean, I've been promising myself for the last four years, I know what I'll do. I just need to rearrange my shed. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we all have an unarranged shed somewhere. And so I have a shed which I'm, I'm fond of and, and it's nice, but it's just pretty chaotic. It's one of those things that when we first moved in there, I sort of built this shed and then put everything in it. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't actually put it in any order. And, and I look at pictures of other people's sheds uh, where everything is in lines and all the tools ha- have sort of outlines outline to them. On the, on the wall. And they're all cleaned and oiled and, and they don't have the mud of ages stuck to, they're stuck to the side of their shovels. And there's a little jar which has got two-inch screws in it and another little stuck jar. Stuck to the underside got, of the shelf. Yeah, yeah, all of that kind of thing. And there's another little jar that's got vine eyes three inches tall. And, and then there's this apocryphal tale. I think I've been told by two people about, about oh, yes, I found something in my grandfather's shed. There was a jar and had a label on it that said, bits of string too small to be of any use. <laughs> <laughs> You know, is that sort of, and so 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 that go and do that. Go and do 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 stuff like this. It's all part of gardening, and it's and it's and it's it's that sort of preparation. It's getting everything ready for when the moment comes, because because to a certain extent we're under starters' orders from mid February. Yeah, probably. I mean, we're not there, and and you, we have full starts because in March there will be the odd sunny day, and everybody say, "Oh, it's this moment! Quick, quick! Where is my halter top? Run outside! Where and are my where are my, seeds uh, my hot pants? Uh, go and say, mow the lawn! Don't, just don't, don't! I mean, mow the lawn, fine, you can do that, uh, but for God's sake, don't sow anything. I mean, that's just a really, really silly idea. So, so that's a full start, and you get the whistle gets blown, you get to go back to the beginning again, because it's going to get cold again, and it's just not going to going to be there. Uh, and this whole idea of, of winter spring, which people talk about, and or, or, or splinter, I wish to call thinking. it splinter, um, because it is, it, it, it's all going to end in tears in the end. So, so, so you're understarted from from then, but you're not really racing until April, and so you've got quite a long time to sort of to sort of fill in. So there are things that that, that need to be. There's things as things begin to grow. Yes, of course, put your staking in. That's quite an important oh. thing. Perennial plants. A lot of them will need staking. Yes. And what will have happened is that the year before, you will have forgotten to stake some things. Always. Until it was too late. Yeah. And they've flopped over. They've flopped over and you thought, oh, no, it's fine. I can do it. So you go in there and you do this sort of Heath Robinson thing with four bamboos and quite a lot of string. And nobody's (laughs) happy at all in any way, shape or form. Um, And you think, ah. That's just, and then you end up cutting it back. Basically. Yeah, because yeah, it's uh, all so, over the path. It's, and... Yeah, it's all all over there. It, it just looks it just looks hideous and horrible. So you think, I know, next year, I will I will put some put some stakes up there, and I I can do it. You know, I'll either go and buy some metal ones and put them in the right place, and I'll, I'll get some hazel sticks from down the road. We've got a place down the road which sells quite a lot of bead sticks and and hazel copper things, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So so you you say right, I'm going to do this, and the time to do that is before anything's growing. So do it in March. Do it in, in my last house. We, I used to. There, we lived next door to a wood. We're very lucky, and I would go and harvest hazel from that gently through the winter. And I would start making these sort of nests of hazel sticks or birch sticks or whatever happens to be lying around um, in about March, so that everything was there. And you would look at it, and it would just look like a sort of messy stick yard for a bit. <laughs> but within two or three weeks, things are beginning to come up. 
and uh, and grow and and you just need to do it early do it early it's a really really important winter job and you can start doing that reasonably i mean not when the beds are really really wet because you don't want to walk on them because you'll just compact the soil and make it all worse but that's that's actually a, a really good thing to start doing so start getting your sticks together start gathering it so you know it's, it's like um you know it's like good king wenceslas looking out when the frost was, you know, all the snow was r- r- deep, and right, even. deep and crisp and even, that's it. Um, yeah, well, the poor man gathering winter fuel. You're gathering winter sticks in order to, to stake, stake your plants. You know. So bef- instead of disappearing to go, and, to go and sharpen your trowel, go and gather some sticks and start thinking about which plants will need supporting. And you mentioned right at the beginning that, you know, we used to just cut everything to the ground at the start of winter and, and, and sort of lock the doors and that was it. How much do you think, yes, winter in the garden has changed over the last 30 years as the kind of as the climate changes? And quite a lot. Quite a, I mean, climate change is unpredictable in that we never know. You know, we have very cold winter. This, this winter, we may have a warm winter next winter. And we say, oh, that, what do we have to worry about? You, you don't know. It's because you don't understand. You don't know what's going on. And, and it's the fact that climate is different from weather and, you know, all, and it's affecting the whole world rather than just, just your, your, your garden. Just, but, yeah, I mean, you know, winters, winters uh, most winters are warmer than they used to be. Some of them are wetter. Some of them are, some of them are colder. You can't tell. And, and, and what you have to do, us as gardeners... We're not in, entirely in control of that. Yes, we're in control of what we grow, but we're not, in, we're not in control of how it grows. We can do our best, but sometimes it's not the right thing and sometimes it's not good enough. Sometimes it's too good, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You just have to be ready. You have to be adaptable, I think, probably is what it is. And you know, it may be a cold winter, it may be a warm winter, it may be a wet winter, it may be a dry winter. Maybe a windy winter, maybe a non-windy winter, whatever the opposite of windy is. Um, still winter. Still. Still winter, yeah, you see. So you, you don't really know. Things, things are, are always change. We don't know. We don't know. Nobody can predict it, you know. Uh, you can be the greatest weather forecaster in the world, but you're not going to get it right all the time, every time. So, so, so what we do as gardeners is that we roll with it. Were heavyweight boxes to a certain extent, or lightweight boxes, or featherweight boxes, <laughs> or you know whichever weight boxes we are. And when we get punched in on one side, we just roll with it and we adapt and we come back and we do something else. It's like you know when you lose all your cuttings because you haven't put them in the right place for the winter, then then you think okay fine we just have to make new ones. Um, and so 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 you just go with it. But yes, I mean I can remember very very cold winters. I can oh, I remember one winter. Sometime in the 1980s, being on a bus and my feet were so cold, I can still remember it now. I don't know why. I think probably because I wasn't wearing a suitable f- f- footwear. I was probably wearing <laughs> flip-flops or something <laughs> like that in, in, in January. Um, go with it. Winter, winter, basically, is a really important season. We have to have it. It has to be there. It's cleansing, apart from anything else, you know. It's that there's, you have a cold winter, you're going to have fewer pestilent diseases the, the following year because that has happened. It, it is the only winter we're getting. You can't say, actually, I'm going to change the winter. I'm going to have another one. You just have to go with it. You have to enjoy it where you can. It's like any experience in life. Basically, you wake up, you see you see what's happening that day, you do it to the best of your ability, you try to go to bed at the end of the day happier than you were when you woke up. And you try and do that every day. And not sometimes, some days it works, and some days, some days you go to bed miserable. Basically, what you have to try and do is try and enjoy it as much as any other season, but it's in a different way. Smaller but more intense. 
Smaller, but much more. Well, actually, not smaller. It feels considerably longer. It does. <laughs> much more intense. <laughs> but there are plants and there are things and there are joys in the garden that you can still get, 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 no matter what the weather throws at you, no matter what the winter throws at you. There will still always be things. There will always be, it's like we discussed, there will always be intense scents. There will be, there will be waving grasses. There will be little animal burrows. There will be leaf mold. There will be compost. There will be bulbs of plenty. I mean, you have to plant the damn things to do anything about it. So, so plant, that's part of the first part of your winter is taking up planting bulbs. It's that whole thing. And I challenge you, I bet you, Catherine, I've, how many bulbs do you buy every year? Okay, this is a scale. Okay. Yeah. Not nearly enough. Just the right amount. Far too many that I'm still planting them in January. <gasps> Not nearly enough. And yet I am still planting them in January. Yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> I, you know, you you do that thing of putting off planting them, you know, particularly tulips. I don't want to put them in the ground too early. I want to leave it until it's got really cold and so I don't spread tulip fire. And then, of course, that the cold weather comes and it's wet and I'm busy and I don't want to go out there in the pouring rain. And, yeah. and my garden's in London, so actually a lot of my perennials keep... Uh, keep their shape, don't die back until really late. So it's really, really late in winter before I can actually see the bare soil to get stuff in the in the ground. So... Yes, not nearly enough bulbs. Every spring I think, why didn't I plant more bulbs? And yet, uh, yes, yes, more than I managed yeah, it's, to plant. It's this a combination of not nearly enough, but at the same time, far too yeah. many. <laughs> Ready is that. Everybody does that. Everybody does that. Because, because there is there is a few things more seductive than a bulb catalogue. Oh. More know, so than a, than a spring or summer flower catalogue, definitely. More, much more, much more. Because you're th- sitting there and you're looking at it and, and you know that you're coming into winter. And so, so, so you're there and, there, and there's this box of stuff around because you've looked at this thing. You think, oh, yeah, 100 of those. And they'd fit in there, that problem at all. And you think, oh, well, why not 200? And, you think, oh. and there's usually, a, you know, a three for two or something. Yeah, somewhere. there's a oh, deal. Well, there's there's a, yeah, yeah. you've got to have a deal. You know, the garden as well. The garden as well, a, 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 you know, like the devil upon your shoulder. <laughs> Saying, oh, look here. <laughs> James, James, come and look at this book here. If you buy 10 of those, we're going to give you five free. But so we might as well buy a thousand. <laughs> you know, all of that. And then, all of this sort you of don't stuff, even so, like yellow, yeah, but you're exactly. bound to like It doesn't this. matter. You get, a, you get a free one. You're going to, oh, yes, I'm going to love it. You know, Catherine says, I'm going to absolutely, I must have that. I must have, you know, is, is this, and, and, and it arrives and they're quite innocuous and they're just, you know, a bag of sort of things that look like onions, basically. You think, okay, that's easy. I can plant yeah. those. And then suddenly you realize that you've actually got to dig 500 holes. 500 really deep holes. And yeah, get them as deep as you possibly can. Do you know the, the secret to, to planting 500 bulbs? No. Rotavator? No, it's an auger. Oh. oh. An auger. An I think auger. I know what this is, but tell me yeah, more. It, an auger is a machine that drills a hole. Uh, and so you put it in your cordless drill. It's like a giant corkscrew. It's like a giant corkscrew, exactly what it is. And you go along and you make as many holes as you can, which is actually a bit of a game changer. Rather than digging individual holes with a trowel. It's either that or else you get a spade and you dig a massive great hole, uh, which is difficult in a a border. It is. Uh, because because you're yes. going to dig up all the other stuff and you yep. haven't got room and, yep. and your things haven't died down again yep. because you're living in some soft southern yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. You know all Sheltered of this sort of stuff. Stuff is, stuff is happening. So 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 the auger is actually is actually quite. And you get you get a short one and, 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 a, and a long one and then you just go and drill all these holes. Boom 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 boom. But even with that, digging 500 holes, finding a place for 100, 500, however many holes holes there are. So so so, so that occupies the first part of your winter, and then you need a bit of a lie down. And then it's Christmas when you have to cope with with your you know your family, and then there's this bit in between Christmas and New Year that's generally just depressing, and then there's New Year which is which is ghastly, 
It is New Year's. Come on. <laughs> when was the last time you had a fun New Year's Eve? Oh, no, it's awful. It's, it's always it's dreadful. Always an say, oh, it's New Year's Eve. It's going to be party, party, party time. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, it's half past nine. I want to go to bed. Um, so, yeah. uh, so now I just do. I, I refuse all invitations and I don't do anything at all and, and, and go to bed shamelessly at 10 o'clock as if it was a normal day without having to see. Because you get to this thing. Uh, I remember it when I was young, young younger and, and you think, God, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be wonderful. And you get to this thing and it's, oh, gosh, it's, it's quarter to 12. Yeah, let's all line up. Let's have another drink. Let's go. Yeah, and, you get, and it's one minute to 12. Oh, it's going bong, 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 bong. And it's, oh, gosh. And it's it's Jules Holland, actually. Probably yep. even Moira always. Anderson in those days and whoever it was um, there was always a sort of Scottish person in a kilt uh, I remember in my in my deep deep youth who would skip around at this sort of time and then it's and then it's 12 o'clock and everybody goes happy new year and then you think well, what do we do now oh, can, can we go home now yeah that's it we've had enough of this so so anyway that's a, a digression we go on, uh, and, and, and then we got to new year and now it's January and it's pretty miserable and January is basically has 69 days in it or it feels like 69 <laughs> days in it. and that's when you go for a nice walks and you enjoy yeah. the fact that the, the weather is happening and you keep a lookout for the beginning of snowdrops and the beginning of your bulbs and then you're nearly there sort of <laughs> and if if you could just have one plant to look at all winter what would it be oh god that's such a horrible thing I'm to say sorry. Um, i know it's fine i mean the other thing about winter uh is is you know you have indoor plants yes you have, you have about which i i know very little i so don't start asking me about about exotic window, indoor plants, but you know there there are there are things that, that that will make your your winter happier. So so you know amaryllis and hippiastrums and all those kind of things will will make it lovely. Poncettias, if you insist, yeah, if you have to, they make excellent compost. So so the one plant, it has to be a snowdrop, doesn't it? Really, it has to be a snowdrop because it has this, it just it just carries so much with it. I mean, a snowdrop, I'm not. One of these people who spend a lot of January and February on their knees, looking looking up 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 snowdrops, or walking along with a mirror to see the inside of snowdrops. I don't quite get that obsession with it. But but what I like is is you know a, a hillside, a wooded hills, a wooded hillside covered in snowdrops, naturalized snowdrops that you know have just done this thing over God knows how many decades, and they've just started maybe with one bulb and then there's two and then there's four. It's like that sort of doubling of grains of rice on the chessboard thing, and it's exponential growth, and, and it's been there for a couple of centuries. Uh, and you know that there were people in periwigs who came and looked at this a couple of hundred years ago and have walked through it and have have seen it and, and you're seeing it at the best it's ever going to be this year. It's going to be even better next year. You know that's what's going to happen. And there's just this sea of white with these little green details in it. And it's it's heaven, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm sticking with the snowdrop. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app.